Blue are the words are saying what I see. Blue are the feelings that live inside me. Not too bad. Eh, not too bad. Welcome to the Stoner's Point of View. A show where we provide high-level analysis of music and movies while under the influence of legal Canadian cannabis. My name is Brett. I'm here with my co-hosts, Terrell and Phil. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. Good, man. Uh, yeah, sorry uh, sorry to our listeners for the delay there. I was a bit under the weather. I thought I caught the Rona, but uh, your boy's clear, so I'm I'm doing good, man. Beautiful, beautiful. And Terrell, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. I've uh, been really looking forward to this episode. I think Snatch is one of those movies that I watch back in the day, and then re-watching it was actually kind of a, a real true pleasure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I had a lot of fun with the movie. Um, songs may be a bit of a different story, but we'll we'll definitely get into all that. Uh, but before we do, I just want to say, if you're not following us on our social media channels, at The Stoners POV on Instagram and Twitter by now, please do so. We know that we're starting to accrue some listeners and uh, we'd love it if you'd follow us on our socials and we're, we try to be interactive, but as of yet, no one's interacted with us really. So uh, please do so. And we'll, uh, we'll hit you back. <laughs> um, also uh, shout out to our boy Connor in Australia. Uh, we, got a, we got a fan down under you call that a podcast. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's great to see the the you know that people are uh, are catching on to the YouTube end of things. Uh, leave your comments; it's a great way to engage with uh, with uh, the listeners as well. And uh, and yeah, anything you got to say, Terrell? Yeah, I think that you should engage with us. Like a good question that I would love to people to ask would be: Was that an impression of Phil's Australian accent or a pirate? <laughs> we don't know. Like, we'll have to ask yeah. the fans. Yeah, yeah we'll ask the fan. But no, but in all seriousness, um, it would be cool to get people to tell us what song we should listen to. Um, tell us what movie, you know, we should listen to stuff that you really like, perhaps maybe like a more indie film or an underground song. Uh, yeah. Obviously we choose stuff for like our own selfish, nostalgic reasons. Absolutely. Um, and, and what we like, but I would love to hear, uh, you know, a suggestion and maybe a genre that we really haven't covered or a movie, like an art house movie would be great. Like something we haven't seen before. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're with us this far, 21 episodes deep now, um, you obviously appreciate uh, the process of us, you know, churning these songs and movies through our little blender. And if you like that, just like think of any movie that you can think of that you'd like to hear us put through our little weird stoner view and. We're happy to do it. So stoner point of view. <laughs> <laughs> the timing on that was spectacular. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm thinking back. Normally, I, I have this fresh at hand, but uh, the delay has kind of thrown me off a little bit. But I'm trying to think of. I, I think I was just getting down with the uh, the dad Kush again this week um stuff's still as good as ever still as powerful as ever and uh i'm gonna be working on that for a while i realized i got nine large jars of that to last me till october and there's no way there's no way i'm gonna go through all that this four plants thing i just want to talk about the four plants rule for a second four plants for one person that smokes as often as i do it's generous (laughs) it's exceedingly generous um i grew one plant last year and was able to harvest (laughs) <laughs> much more than one plant this year and right. still get through just fine on my one plant well, from last one, year. One so, plant yeah. is like what? Like 
a pound and a half, two pounds sometimes. Well, it just depends on-, on how well you do it. Like, you know, I, I've seen I've seen single plants bigger than my house. So it just, you know, it just depends on what you're doing and, you know, whether or not you live in California, <laughs> essentially. Right. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I've been uh, really enjoying uh, this brand of uh, and strain of marijuana uh, from this company uh, in Canada, in Nova Scotia, I believe they are. They're called Emsugu. Uh, and they're an, actually a Native American tribe, and they have this strain called White Wedding, which is like okay. chef's kiss. It's like 27% nice. THC. I've told you guys about this before. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it gets you, like, wicked high. Like, you're suddenly in Boston. You know what I mean? Like, it's a wicked pizza. And... <laughs> but did it, get, did it get you high enough to like the song Blue by Eiffel 65? I mean, no. Nothing. <laughs> Funny story about that. It, I found the 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 that one plant that I had the very small but very potent purple power plant I had. Hmm. Uh, I found the last remnants of that, um, okay. and I almost liked this song. I I it was like like it was like uh, like riding a scooter, you know, like it's cool until your friends see you, you know. So yeah. <laughs> you know what I was gonna say about this song. One thing I wanted to talk about right off the top, like once we get into it. Um, this song and there, there's others like this that there were these like Euro kind of dance songs that became like a staple of like weddings and like just North American corniness and like it's like the Macarena. Do you Cotton believe in love? Joe. Cotton Eye Joe. Like all of these songs, like like this blue, they took like North America by storm and like oh, they're, yes, they're they still did. they're so staples. Like I'm pretty sure blue. Was that your wedding, Phil? Was it not? I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. If it wasn't, it damn well should have been. And I'm going to have a talk with the DJ about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like that's what I was going to ask you guys. Like, what do you think of these like weird dance songs that have become like so ingrained in like pop culture, especially a song like Blue, which is really like a club yeah. dance type song, right? Um, you know what? Well, Sorry, go on, Brett. No, I I was just going to say. Uh... When this song came out, it was it was around the time, uh, Terrell, when we did the Still DRE episode, I don't know if you remember anybody that was listening then, um, I talked about how rap was kind of like the centerpiece of my musical kind of palette at that time. Like, I was a big, big rap guy. And uh, so at that time, the blue came out, it was like, it caught me off guard. It was a style that I wasn't really ready for but because i was already into kind of the hip-hop beats of rap and stuff i was like oh i can i can dig this like it was very hooky and very catchy and i remember thinking at the time that it was super awesome so revisiting it like channeled a bit of that for me and i know we uh we love nostalgia here on this program and it, it definitely conjured a bit of that but not to the level that some other stuff has um i i was definitely there was definitely points in the song and and like I said, we'll get to all that. But there was definitely points in the song where I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of like lame-o. Yeah, well, that's like, that, like, like, because this song, like, it does have some actual musicianship happening in the song. The, the like, piano you know, riff, like the, the piano riff, riff it kind of yeah. rips. Like, you yeah, know, like, it, it's actually yeah. really good. Well, and, even when uh, they do the synth version of it, like, I, I like that. Like, Yeah, yeah. And like, and like the guys who made it, like, they they are, well, with the exception of maybe the singer, I don't know how good he actually is, but like, like the guy, like they, they essentially work in like a pop music factory. And one of the guys is a super famous DJ to this day. Um, and you know what the guys, they can, they still, they like the two remaining members of the band, uh, like they get up on stage, they play blue and then they go home to their fucking mansions in Italy. So more <laughs> yeah. power to them. 
Well, yeah, and yeah. It's funny. Get it. Sorry, go ahead, Terrell. I was going to say, you know, going back to the riff, that is like the main part of the song um, that really hooks the song. The story behind it, which I'm sure I, I'm sure Phil's watched this. I don't know if you have, Brent, but there's like a story, the story of Blue by Apple 65 on Vice. Um, and it's really funny because literally the guy who d- does the, the singing, um, his name is Jeffrey J. Um, he heard Maurizio, the guy who wrote the melody, they were in separate studios because they basically work in like a beat factory back in like the 90s, late 90s. Um, and he overheard the, the main melody and he just kind of came in and was like, hey, that's pretty sick. You should let me slap some vocals on it. And like, I, I actually really like that story because it reminds me, a lot of musicians are like that. Like if I was just playing guitar and I played like a cool riff, that is totally something like Phil would like do or like Brett would send me a sick bass line and I would be like, you should let me play guitar over that. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very, like, common thing with other musicians when you hear oh, them yeah, playing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, yeah, that collaborative jam when it's just like, oh, you got a spice of meatball right there. And that isn't even <laughs> an Italian joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, there's there's not really anything more to get into. Like, we're into the song now. Um, yeah. The one thing I just wanted to mention is when I was looking it up on Spotify, can they not just have a normal version of the song? Like <laughs> Not in Italy. <laughs> that's like, the, literally... That's the there were so on. many versions and then there was the one i ended up choosing was the gary ponty ice pop radio and number one reason i chose it was because it was the shortest but so number two <laughs> number two reason ver- sorry go on no number two reason was just because i i believe that's the dj of the band yeah yeah that's the and version so i was that like was. this is probably the closest to the original version that i'm gonna well, find so the original version isn't actually the one that we know. The the Gary Ponty uh, dub version is the one that made its way to North America and around Got the it. world. So so to us that is the original, but it's actually there's there are so many versions of this song. I uh, you know I I ran into the same exact thing, and so I actually yeah. had to do some googling just to figure out which version of the song I should be listening to. Um, they all sound the exact same though. Come on, yeah. Well, <laughs> well you well, should you should watch the music video. Is really the version that. That I, yeah. that's, well, that's the version that's in the music video yeah um the the only difference that i saw was the length and i was like there's no way i'm doing eight minutes of blue sorry <laughs> no. there's nothing <laughs> no um you know i don't know if there's enough ecstasy in the world into that song for eight goddamn minutes um but yeah like the song comes in with that memorable synth lots of like and then uh i'm really digging the piano underneath but like honestly this was one of the notes i have like right at this point the lyric vocals are just kind of lame and like if you read up on it thanks to our friends at song facts shout out song facts um you read up on how the guy just like was inspired to the write these lyrics and he's like I just had, you know, come up with this story about this character. I can't remember the character's name. It was something kind of stupid. But he's like, I'd come up with this story about this character. And he was just, this was his life. And this is what he saw. And I'm like, man, like, how do you think of this stuff? Like, drugs? Absinthe? Or like, what? Like, you you just. Sorry. No, go ahead. There's a few a few different stories circulating about uh, uh, the, the the lyrical genius on display here. Uh, there's that one, Brett. There's like literally they're just like they're like hit record and we're like just just say some shit. And he like was like, man, everything is blue, and this is blue, and, and like and like it, that one I tend to believe. That, the I kind of buy that. Yeah, it <laughs> sounds like he's bullshitting everyone in that room on the vocal track in the song and then there's the one that uh is covered in that vice uh video uh that you were referencing terrell where he said he wrote three different 
sets of lyrics for it, which I gonna call bullshit on. I don't believe that. Yeah. I think it's just like because like if that's the one you stuck with, you were like, yo, it's Euro pop. It's probably not gonna not even gonna make a dent in the charts. And uh, and here we are. Yeah. So going back um, to like when this song first came out and I heard it, like like I said, I wasn't super like musically inclined in terms of musicianship back then. So I don't think I ever really actually paid attention to all the little musical nuances in the song. So I tried to do that this time as, as much as I could. And I noticed that like, you know, he's, he's doing this little soliloquy at the start underneath that great piano line. And then you hear the little percussion beat come in underneath and it's just like slowly building up. And then the intro just ends on a bass drum. And it's like this delay to listen, to listen, to listen. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, okay. All right. And then, uh, yeah, comes in with, uh, the part everybody knows the I'm blue dab. And I, I had this thought in my little stoner brain. And then after looking into it, I noticed that it's actually a pretty common, um question amongst people online like i couldn't tell if he had an effect on his voice or if he was auto-tuning or both or what amalgamation of things were going on and when i looked into it like a lot of people wonder that actually yeah. <laughs> like yeah well because yeah. the story behind it was um at the time uh, i the song believe by Cher was out so they really wanted to copy like the vocoder sound um obviously they didn't use autotune, which is the common software that we know today that Cher used. They actually used a, a, a real piece of software um, to give a, a robotic sound, like of an actual vocoder. And they actually yeah. recorded some keyboard in with the vocal to give it even more of like a robotic processed feel. And to be honest with you, that's the, the part of the song that I really dislike the most. Like the lyrics and the singing is just so like embarrassingly bad. And And then from a music perspective, like, on the version that was big, the drums are just like a bass drum, a snare, and a hi hat, and it's on that classic like house. Yeah, and like yeah. I just, I just never like connected with that music. Like I didn't do hard drugs until I was older, I guess. So like, and I never went to raves or anything. So like that stuff really never like really jived with me. Um, and I just remember at the time, the thing that I we got to talk about with this song is the video. It was on TV all the time and it's by far probably one of the worst videos ever because like they talk about how it was inspired by metal gear solid yes! and, I, and i find that offensive same here <laughs> i was gonna bring that up i always gotta somehow bring things back to metal, metal gear, gear solid, solid. <laughs> and but yes it was inspired by uh metal gear solid and incredibly bad cgi uh but if i may i wish that for one moment in my life i could feel as happy as this guy right here, the singer, as happy as he looks all the time, and especially in that video. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. got to be pretty happy when you write a song like that. That, like, you know, there's it actually has a lot of interesting facts behind it. Like in the the UK, the song initially entered the top forty purely on import sales. It's the only third single to ever do that. It also won a Grammy Award in two thousand one for best dance recording, which. It's shocking to me that that it, yeah like you know th- this is one of those songs that I think one of the things is we can hate on it as much as we we want but it's one of those songs that like if we wrote it and we were you know in our mansions driving oh, our jet skis I mean, like, check out this sick beat I just made <laughs> yeah. Ex- exactly yeah. I mean I mean yeah I would not apologize for the millions of dollars yeah. that this song made me oh yeah um, let me just wipe my tears away with some money yeah. maybe not in today's 
you know, pandemic climate, but <laughs> um, one one little weird connection my stoned brain made um, when it was doing the dab and it was like super repetitive. I was like, <laughs> the repetitiveness really reminds me of Around the World by Daft Punk a little bit. Yes. Like, yeah. Well, it's got little, that same kind of baseline that that uh, on the offbeat, like where it's like, dude, mm-hmm. dude, dude. It's, yeah, you're definitely right onto something there, Brett. Yeah. Well, my 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 stoner brain was, anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the note I have here is that that instrumental, the main lead line, is kind of cool. It's undeniably catchy. Um, we already kind of talked about that. And then I say, yeah, like right here, the key change, like the I have a blue house with a blue window, like that part. I'm not a huge fan. Like, I, I don't love the key change. I don't love the lyrics. I don't think they really have any, like, they're the only lyrics with any substance in the whole song, and that is weak. So mm-hmm. what does that do? And then the bass line, it's, it's okay, but I hate the envelope on the sound. Like, it sounded really farty and yeah. just, like, I didn't, I didn't love it. Anyways, I was that, actually, I was interested to hear you talk on that because, like, I was like, I was, yeah. I, one of my notes, I'm saying, like, the bass line in this song, it alternates between okay and just pissing me off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was not, but then yeah, right back into the mundane chorus, and like honestly, by the second time, like chorus, I'm over it. You've heard like, everything this song has to offer. Well, have point. you guys looked into the conspiracy theories that he sang other things than Daba yes. D, Daba Die, or whatever? Like, I'm green and I love a guy. Like, there's so many different <laughs> things. I was green, I would die. Yeah, yeah. There's so many. There's so many like interpretations of this song, which I find really funny because. Once again, like th- there's not a whole lot going on no, in this yeah. song. It's a really basic kind of like house kind of dance song, and I just yeah. it perplexed me that it was so huge all around the world in 2000. Well, like you know, like we can't we can't deny that like it's it's catchy and it's for like kids. Yeah, it's like catchy and, to like little children. Yeah, yeah well, and <laughs> I, the thing is, is I'd rather yeah. listen to Blue than baby shark with my daughter you know yeah so like it's 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 got a hell of a hook and and <laughs> and you know if you're if you're in the club you know bumping and grinding maybe chewing on something that's not actually in your mouth uh <laughs> ecstasy referring to ecstasy uh you know you, you yeah. can vibe to this but you know if the um, subwoofers are big enough you could you could uh you could you could vibe to this yeah yeah and like it's very true that, like, I can remember 12, 13-year-old me, like, singing along with this and thinking it was the coolest shit. And, like, I, I would just smack that guy now. Um, but, yeah, it goes into the bridge, and, and the bridge is really just the intro redone. Um, yeah. The only difference is it has the farty bass behind it, so it's even worse. And I'm like, I'm, I'm mad at this point. I'm hot about this song. I'm just, And then it just starts looping the chorus till the end. And... And I have my notes here. The part I hate the most is that I know that main line is so damn catchy that it will be stuck in my head for the next yes. week. Yes. Um, it's it was definitely kind of, an earworm. Yeah, sure. yeah. Well, and it, it's, yeah. It's like an earworm with like, like a, a giant penis or something. I don't know. It's just <laughs> like a but, barb. Uh, like a forked yeah, like, barb. It your ears. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh, going back to the effects on the vocal, um, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Yeah, like they didn't they didn't know what the effect actually was on Cher's uh, "Life After Love" or "Believe" or whatever the hell that believe was believe called. believe. believe. It's, a, it's actually a yeah. sick song. It's a banger, Phil. That's okay. way better than it's way better than "Blue." <laughs> it's not better than Two Princes, but anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, uh, they didn't know what the effect was. We now now it's you know it's that 
effect we all know and love autotune uh but yeah so they did use a vocoder trail you're right and i believe uh if In life, I I think it's actually a micro korg that they're using and uh using it poorly <laughs> but oh, uh yeah it's just it's just it's brutal uh but they they accomplished what they wanted like that company like they, they literally worked for a company and they're yeah. just like okay just just write Europop, and you know if you throw enough shit at the wall, something's bound to stick. Um, yeah. And and blue was that shit that stuck. And, yeah, and exactly. Rolling, um, Rolling Stone actually reviewed the the record Europop is what it's <laughs> the record's actually called Europop by the way, and they placed it. Uh, they gave it a negative review, and they placed it uh, number fourteen on their list of twenty most annoying songs. <laughs> <laughs> So that says really a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really not a good song. That's all I. Have yeah, to say. my. I guess my <laughs> my final thoughts on it was that part does pump. That one hooky part does pump. But all in all, for me, this song conjured some vibes of a time before I really had had my own personal uh, musical profound like renaissance. Your musical epiphany? It. Your musical yeah, epiphany? Basically. Yeah, basically. And so, like, I can look back now and see the immaturity and the naivety behind thinking this song kicked ass. And it also brings back feelings, because that was, frankly, a time in my life where things weren't so wonderful. So for that, I say, damn you, Eiffel 65. <laughs> you get a 5.75 out of 10. Oh, damn. Rescue's being generous. Uh, well, that's pretty low for me, though. Yeah, you know me. I, yeah. love, I love my eights. I love my sevens. Yeah, that is a 5.75. And the thing is, I have a six written in my notes here. And just talking about it today has pissed me <laughs> off so much that I dropped it 0.25. And it's getting a 5.75 out of 10 for me. Oh, man. Well, uh, you know, I this song, I I have to give it its respect because they did they did something you know, with the song and they made a lot of money off of it. Uh, you know, bought some houses off that, off that, uh, that annoying ass song. Uh, I'm going to give it like a three because there's definitely some, some technical proficiency on display in this song. And, you know, like the studio, like the environment, it was the building it was recorded in. I want to live there, but just not hang out with anybody who works there. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm going to give it a, yeah, I'm gonna give it a, like a three because yeah, it it was it was it's it's well done. It just sucks. <laughs> nice, very succinct there, Phil. You know what? For me, is just, I just don't really get this like fascination with the older style of dance music. I think now when I listen to like modern kind of like electronic dance music, um, I feel like it's come so much farther than blue was at and like all these other songs that i mentioned like macarena and believe and while i think believe is a banger back then those songs were just not good and this song is just a really good example of something that like even though it has a catchy part uh and people like it um i just don't love it you know Luke, I mean? mute your phone. <laughs> yeah sorry my phone rang there guys it was my daughter um probably should have muted that um Right in the middle of my review, like last time. Remember when my last time it died in the middle of my review? But anyways, cut this short. I'm going to turn off my uh, ringer, and I'm going to give it uh, a 3.2, just because I just find this song so annoying. It is pretty damn annoying. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Super annoying. Um, so, yeah, that, that will wrap up that uh, piece of shit. And I just want to say, 
to our listeners, please. Um, we are not intentionally trying to do a, a format where we have awesome movie shitty song but that's been kind of the way it's gone the last little bit this We're episode will some good songs believe us yeah the, this episode will be no different though our movie is sweet i watched it a couple times same and it was it was really good uh so we're gonna get into that um yeah welcome back to the second half stoner's pov we're about to get into the uh, 2000, the year 2000, uh, Guy Ritchie uh, thrill, not thriller. It's a crime gangsta, movie. Gangsta, yeah. crime, crime, crime film. I think it's just like it's just like its own genre. It's just a Guy Ritchie film. I think. Yeah, I, I wanted to say this right off the bat. <laughs> Guy Ritchie is one of those that you can watch his movies for five minutes, and it's got so much panache and style and (laughs) just its own thing going on like it's kind of like a lot of other great like um directors like steven stillberg or like tim burton as soon as you watch their films you know tarantino five minutes in you know what this is going on and i think the thing with this movie is it is obviously very similar to lock stock and two smoking barrels but it's like the perfected version of that movie i feel yeah yeah and what they get shit done in this movie they do not (laughs) win a frame in this movie they're just yeah. it's always just chugging along well and uh i just want to shout out uh my my little uh, pet name for guy Ritchie. i call him britain tarantino because he uh <laughs> he That's he basically really is the british tarantino um yeah. i would say but yeah i love how this starts off um what you said about lock stock it's very true and it has uh some returning cast members but overall i feel like the cast is just like man he nailed it with the cast in this movie oh yeah and I love right off the bat, like, uh, we get the monologue from uh, Statham's character, Turkish. Turkish. Name's Turkish. That's Tommy. And it's like this <laughs> monologue info dump. But what I have here is, like, British dude monologues are great. Like, I could just listen to them talk. Yeah, imagine a, a Cana- imagine a Canadian dude monologue. Hey, yeah. bud, we were gone for a rip hey, down bud, the Timmy's. Oh, <laughs> well, so I'm running this fucking boxing promotion, right? And then all of a sudden, these fucking goofs start trying to fuck with me, hey, bud? Brit being a real bird over here, and I said, hey. And I um, said, bud, turn down uh, turn down that other Canadian band. Uh, what was I going to say? I blew Our it. Our Lady Peace. Roger, Our Lady Peace, hip. yeah. <laughs> tragically hip, yeah. I was like, um, bud, this fucking caravan doesn't even fucking work. <laughs> yeah, but we get so we get that we get that info dump and we find out that they're boxing promoters. And then uh, what I love about the very next scene, it's uh, it's actually the heist itself. And what I love about it is the the intro to it being through the different security cameras. And I love how when it gets to the fourth security camera, it like there's a phone in front of the camera, like just that type of filmmaking stuff is just like Mwah. like let's I, take a I moment here. It. Let's take a moment here. I'm gonna go first. Who is your favorite character in Snatch? Me, by a, a, a golden mile, is Frankie Fourfingers. He has next to... to I, I used to think it was Bullet Tooth Tony, and I yeah. think a lot of people really like him, but now I've changed my mind to Frankie Fourfingers because yeah. next to Tony, he has the best like one-liners in this movie by like a long shot. Fra- Frankie's fun. Uh, Bullet Tooth Tony was definitely high on my list, but I am still picking Mickey. Yeah, it's easy to pick Mickey, it's though. It's such a classic. I'm going to go with uh, Bricktop because I'm a twisted fuck. Of course and, you'd pick Bricktop. <laughs> uh, also, he is, to the to the words fuck off, 
as deadly as Bri- Brian May is with a guitar, you know, like he's just, <laughs> yeah, he, when he tells you to fuck off, it's yeah. like, well, it's got some spank to it. You know, it's just, it's great. Yeah. So, uh, Anybody listening, if you haven't already noticed, uh, this episode is going to be rife with uh, expletives, <laughs> and that's just because the the nature of the movie we're doing it's it's impossible to avoid. Another thing, I just want a disclaimer: there's going to be some uh, slurs that were used verbatim from the movie script. It's not us, you know, having any kind of personal thing. I, I hate that I even have to disclaimer that, yeah. but I just want you to know, like. There's there's references to gypsies and pikeys and jippos and stuff, and that has nothing to do with any of our personal beliefs. We're quoting the movie verbatim and talking about things that are prevalent. So I just wanted to get that out of the way first and foremost, well, so that uh, if, nobody if leaves. I think I think what Brett's getting at here is that it's okay for us to say it because other people said it before us. Um, well, no, actually, what Brett's saying is that they're not there because of the movie is trying to be based in realism. They're not going to say, "Oi, look at those Irish travelers over there. Look at those nomads over there." <laughs> yeah, they're not going to say um, that. Look, what's yeah. your pronoun? But back to the movie. So, uh, yeah, we got these four rabbis or, or guys dressed up like rabbis getting ready to rob this massive diamond. Um, which is the central premise of pretty much the whole movie. A lot of it. That's anyways. the whole movie. It's the MacGuffin. It's yeah, the it's, diamond. It's definitely the MacGuffin. It's definitely a MacGuffin. And yeah. one note I have here in asterisk, and this was a stoned Brett, like not really vibing with uh, our buddy Frankie Fourfinger's accent. He's got a horrible accent that I didn't want to listen to. I was I was hating it, man. I w- I was like, is this a Mexican dude trying to do a British accent and just failing miserably? Because it was awful. That's a legit accent, Brad. I don't know what to tell you. That what? guy's been, like a, was a pro footballer for years. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Frankie accent is one of those accents that you're like, what is this? And where yeah. is it from? Because that, that was basically it. Yeah, it was just really like, here's the thing. I could listen to the like Brad Pitt and his little conclave of Jippo's talk for longer than I could listen to Frankie Fourfingers talk. Um, but anyways, uh, I digress. Um, heist movies are sweet. And even though this isn't really a heist movie, it just has a heist at the start. I was really digging that. And, uh, I just want to say, uh, off topic, we should cover a heist movie at some point. Deal. Um, but yeah, we'll get there. Hey, anybody listening, let us know what heist movie you want to see. Uh, anyways, um, some info dump in the back of the truck on the way out. Uh, we get Frankie Four Fingers getting some information from the, his Russian cohort. Uh, storytelling to set up the next stage of the film, basically. The guy says, when you get to London, if you need a gun, call this number. Boris can get you whatever you need. And uh, an obvious bit of foreshadowing here uh, for when we get to Boris. Uh, then it cuts back to Turkish and Tommy. And Speaking of cutbacks, let's just cover that elephant in the room right now. There is a lot of cuts in this movie. So if if you're stoned and trying to uh, watch this movie for the first time and make sense of it, you're probably going to be all over the place because the cuts are fast and furious, and I ain't talking Vin Diesel. <laughs> well, well, that's a very like in the house. that's a very like Guy Ritchie film style. Like the part before we go back to London where we see Turkish and Tommy with gorgeous George and Charlie yeah. making the sausage. Um, mm. We see we see this like breakdown of all the characters where you see Saul and Mickey and Vinny and yeah. Frankie Fourfingers 
and Gorgeous George and Turkish and Bullet Tooth Tony and Boris the Blade and Doug the Head yeah. and Bricktop and Avi. So, like, anyways, we go. That's a very there, Terrell. No, I think I got them all. But anyways, <laughs> um, that's a very Guy Ritchie thing to do. He likes to get you. Like, I always describe him like his movies are like on drugs because they're just so mm. fast paced, like nonstop. And I think yeah. it, it is a movie you do need to watch a couple times because a couple scenes in this movie might only be a few seconds, but they truly do move the story along. And uh, yeah. it's very Guy Ritchie is what I have to repeat. It's like so yeah. his style to make it like this. And mm-hmm. another another aspect of his style that I love is like his dialogue is just. I don't oh. know. It, it's it's got a charm to it, right? Like that Turkish and Tommy scene that we're talking about right now with the sausage guy. Like that quote where he's like, "Give me five minutes," and the Turkish is like, "It was two minutes five minutes ago." <laughs> well, he's really good at doing this thing where he mixes in this like humor and charm with this like really gritty, like violent kind of Tarantino esque vibe, mm-hmm. and I think that's what makes his movies really great is that they do tend to walk like this really fine balance because. If you make a movie that is too serious and grimy and violent, you kind of like it's not a fun watch. You kind of like watching. Your- uh oh, did we lose Terrell again? Terrell, I lost him on a great uh, on a great freeze frame though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he looks like he's taking a dump or something. Um, we're 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 gonna keep rolling for a minute. Because yeah, we, we got a little bit oh, to talk about he here. He's back. There he, he is. He's back. Us, he froze up on us like mid-stroke. You were just like... <laughs> it was great. Oh, man, that's hilarious. <laughs> it, it looked like you were having a dump. But anyways, yeah, um, the guys talk about Boris now because Tommy bought a gun from him. And then there's a cut scene to Boris selling a gun. And this ties in with what you were saying where all the backstories are kind of being revealed through cut scenes. Um, and then we get uh, we get our first taste of Bricktop with uh, a bunch of big boxing promotion talk between Turkish and Tommy and Bricktop. There's lots of great dialogue in this. I'm not going to get into it because it was actually too much for my my stoned fingers to be able to type out. So I was just like, I wrote down excellent dialogue. So if you're watching the movie, just make a note of that because there's some good stuff there. Well, there's a really important part in this scene because there's a theme in this movie of dogs mm. and like kind of how like dogs are certain characteristics. And Bricktop talks a lot about dogs. He uses dogs as like a, a theme. And it, really, dogs are kind of a, a thematic device in this film. Yes. Yeah, they totally are. Um, we, get, we see that Frankie got sold out to Boris by his Russian co-thief, who conveniently sent him there. Uh, we didn't see that coming. Um, but Frankie's American boss, Avi, wants the diamond back. We know this is going to start to get good. Um, then we get this funny British scene with the jeweler, and I'll get back to the jeweler in a second. Um, uh, what's his name? Doug the Head, I think his name is. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, what I love is he gets to his little jewelry shop, and there's a bunch of kids, and he tells them to f- basically get the hell out of there, and they're like, oh, it's a free country, isn't it? And he's like, it ain't a free shop, so fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. like, awesome. But uh yeah, we'll get back to the jeweler. I just want to put a pin in that guy because he's going to come up a little bit later. But yeah, Frankie buys the gun from Boris, who preys on his gambling addiction to kind of get him to place a bet on this fight um, that Turkish and Tommy are putting on with Bricktop. And it's cool how they show it, the, the cut scenes of, uh, like how they show uh, Frankie's gambling addiction with the cut mm. scenes of photos of him just like living large <laughs> and just like here's a photo of him doing a bunch of drugs here's one with like four girls in a hot tub and like it's just showing him just like well, just living the high life i think the and, thing about frankie that is so funny is that every time we see him it's he's just hilarious like even the scene before this when he's like at the suit shop 
getting like 17 different shoot suits and yes. it shows him like and it like it he's just so comical all the time in this i honestly the first time i watched the early uh, not even the, i don't know how many times i've watched this movie this was the first time that i realized that his outfits were changing every single shot <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's that's yeah, it's just, oh, it's so good. It's just so good. And again, it's just such crisp, tight filmmaking. And like, and yeah. if you listen to Guy Ritchie talk about the movie up to like, he's like, yeah, I just wanted to get everything done as fast as possible. And, you know, I always bitch about movies being too long. This is just not wasting anybody's time here. It's great. Yeah, for sure. And then we get introduced to Brad Pitt's character, Mickey. And I love that he's given that like mutt accent and Turkish actually does a little monologue about the combination of nationalities that lead to the accents that they have. And I love that that's the one they gave to Brad Pitt. So it's like he he was bulletproof because he couldn't butcher that accent because they intentionally made it a mutt accent. So yeah. it, it, it was a very smart decision to make with him, even though Brad Pitt's got excellent dialect uh, work. Like he's he can do anything. So uh, shout out to that guy, man. I think Brad Pitt's a super famous actor, and I think he's super underrated, as famous as he is. Like, oh, he's a stud, man. He's, he's one a of the best. Actor. He's one yeah. of the best to do it. But yeah. actually, which is a funny thing, I was surprised to learn this. I was I, I watched a lot of behind the scenes stuff about this movie uh, in in preparation for this. Um, but uh, so Brad Pitt actually had contacted Guy Ritchie and was like, yo, like, I want to be in your next film. And uh, they really actually struggled to find a part for him. And then they cast him as Mickey. And then he he couldn't get the accent. He had such a hard time that they finally made this mutt accent specifically for the purposes of of Brad Pitt being able to believably portray this uh, character and it's so funny because it was like one of those one of those happy accidents because it also is like one of if not the most defining characteristic of this film is Brad mm. Pitt's performance. Yeah, I think yeah. he does a great job in this movie and you got to think he just did Fight Club in 1999 and then he really just snatch. Yeah. And so like to me, you know, when I saw those two movies like in succession that really cemented, like, to me that, like, Brad Pitt was on a different level of acting. Because I really find Mickey kind of hilarious. Not only is he kind of like mm-hmm. a badass hero, he's also a hilarious character, I oh, feel, yeah. in this movie. Yeah. And and just the fact that he can he can just go hard and still be, like, this mastermind. <laughs> like, come on. Um, and one of the lines right off the hop that he's like, when he's like, you like the eggs? He's <laughs> like, yeah. oh, he's talking about dogs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just the best. Yeah, then, yeah, then him he's and hustling his... you, and he knows that you can't understand him. Yeah, and he's got the hustle, so it adds a whole other like level of game there. You know, like he just went For super sure. staying on your ass. It's pretty yeah. great. <laughs> and I, I love that him and his crew they like sell uh, Tommy and Turkish a lemon caravan, <laughs> and then <laughs> and a dog. Yeah, <laughs> well, you always gotta take a dog. For a car- the... Caravan. They left with a dog. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, and then uh, what? It, what's funny is to kind of you know settle the score. They they do a fight, an impromptu fight between Gorgeous George and Mickey, and uh, you know Gorgeous George is getting in there, getting his shit in, and then M- Mickey just one punches him, and yeah. it's kind of like the. That's a signature move. That's a signature move. Well, not just the one punch, but let them beat the ever-loving shit (laughs) out of you for like five, ten minutes, and then just one punch him. (laughs) It's it's great. Uh, Another thing I like about that intro scene, sorry, Brad, I have to touch on it. Just talking about Mickey's hustle is, yeah, they try to take off with the caravan. The wheels fall off. The whole undercarriage, like the whole frame, 
comes mm-hmm. off the caravan and they're yeah. like like what like you gotta take this back give us our money back he's like the fuck do i want for the caravan's got no wheels <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so such great hustle <laughs> and then we, we we cut away from that kind of group to uh to Saul's character and my first thought was oh this this is uh Morgan from Walking Dead and uh so shout out to Lenny James uh but yeah he's uh he's got a great role in this too as a bumbling fumbling idiot um so Boris gives him and Vincent this robbery job they're to rob the diamond from Frankie at Bricktop's place um and then there's this funny scene cuz these guys have never done this before clearly so they get this guy who knows what he's doing tyrone and we get introduced to tyrone and we get him in the car and he's a big boy it's hard to get him into that car yeah well and here's here's where that comes back to the dogs as terrell mentioned earlier like we get that funny scene with tyrone and them in the car and tyrone's like keep the dog off the seats or something like that and he's like tyrone it's a stolen car mate (laughs) Man, oh, Tyrone man. is one of the worst characters in this movie. Like their whole group are the worst. It actually is well, funny because it reminds me of real criminals. Like real criminals are really yeah. dumb like this. You know what I mean? Like I, well, let's put a pin in that for a second because I, I wanna I wanna contest it a little bit in in a minute and you'll see why. Um but I just want to mention the the camera work in the car because the car scene right there with uh Tyrone and Saul and Vinny and the dog, like it's just done really well. Like all of Guy Ritchie's filmmaking, I just I'm gonna drool over that guy's filmmaking for most of this pod probably. But oh, he's one it, of the greats. Like he truly, you, you can't not right. It's just it's yeah. so well done. I was funny I, while I was watching the movie, Brett. I was thinking I'm like, oh, Brett's just like yeah. Brett's just shitting his pants this whole time. Oh, like, and, he, is, and he is loving I was so this. So high too, right? So like you're picking up on every little thing, and uh, but yeah. So Bricktop's pissed that Gorgeous George can't fight. So they tell him that Mickey's going to replace him in the boxing match. Um, he says, you know, make sure he goes down in the fourth. Okay. Um, next scene, we get the cut to Abby finding out that Frankie bet on the fight, which will later lead to him flying to London. Okay. So this is all kind of set up for the kind of second stage of the movie here, which is starting um, right now. And we're back to Saul and Vincent who botched the bricktop robbery about as bad as you can. Like, let's talk about that robbery failure for a second. Oh, let's um, talk about how badass that girl at the counter is in that robbery. Right. She just, is such a boss. Stone cold, right? Yeah. Like, they're trying to intimidate and stuff. And it's funny, the, the intimidation with the gun will come back around with Bullet 2 Tony later on. We'll get to yeah. that. But, but yeah, it's just like these guys just cannot... They're not criminals, and they can't do the criminal thing. Well, well they, the fun, they are the kind part. of criminals, but they it's just shorter. are really bad at it. And like, <laughs> right, super. Yeah. This is the first thing they've they've attempted on that uh, on that level. You know, like they're like really low level criminals, and now they're right. they're their first do. They're, it's like their first crack at some some big boy shit. You know, and and it yeah it does not work out so well for them. No, and that's so it's so funny because like they're there's they make every mistake in the book like. I have here, like, what are these guys doing? They, they like, unsuccessfully try to rob the bookies. They get trapped. They reveal their faces. 
Yeah. Tyrone then saves them and reveals his face. <laughs> it and looks then, directly at the camera. And then, <laughs> which is that, important. Was my, that was my moment of redemption, quote unquote, <laughs> for Tyrone. <laughs> was the fact that he came in and saved the day. But he, he looks directly <laughs> at the camera, which they use against him later to kill him. Well, that's, yeah, that's what gets them all busted. <laughs> Anyways, the, I have my note here. They're the worst criminals ever. And then they get a, a bone thrown to them because Frankie stumbles out of the van as soon as they, they escape, which is a hilarious. Like, it's one of those kind of writing ploys. Yeah. It's such a big MacGuffin. Like a three, like, oh. It's a Three Stooges thing, right? Like, they <laughs> yeah. just dumb luck into, like, Inspector Gadget saving the day just on yeah. dumb luck all the time, right? <laughs> um, but then we get the fight scene. Uh, a great shot of Mickey just, like, smoking with a fedora in the corner, and he's got a <laughs> boxing glove on. Like, the guy's just a born scrapper, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And he's... Well, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Okay, no, I was no. gonna say, uh, 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 you know, Mickey. Like at first, I'm like, you know what? This has reminded me of Conor McGregor. Like he's all tatted up, this scrappy guy that you can barely understand when he talks. And then imagine, Con- really imagine like, Conor watch this. <laughs> and well, and, listen, you're cool. I I like you, Conor. You're one of my favorite fighters. You're one of the greats. But still, I can't understand everything you say. Uh, but anywho, and I'm comparing you to Brad Pitt. Get over it. Um, yeah. But uh, then I realized actually, no, that uh, that uh, Mickey uh, is is just Tyson Fury, a, a crazy gypsy right. boxer. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, he's supposed to go down in the fourth. But instead, he promptly knocks Homeboy out immediately. Yeah. And and my my stoner note here was, uh-oh, Bricktop's not going to be happy about that. And sure enough, he was not happy about that. Um, but we don't get a chance to know that till later because uh, our boy Guy Ritchie likes to cut to a million different things. Yes. And so we get cut. We get cut right to a scene with Boris, with Saul and Vinny. Uh, Frankie ends up getting shot and his hand cut off to get the well, he gets his hand cut off briefcase. first because like Boris comes in, he's like, "You guys are not professional. Get the the the, <laughs> the diamond chop." Like just like takes it like he doesn't care. Like this is a normal Tuesday for him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Boris is another character who's got some serious hustle in this movie. Like <laughs> he's when, he's sell- when he's selling the like the, the initially when he's selling the gun to uh, what's Turkish's partner? Tommy. Tommy, Tommy. When he tells him, he's like, heavy is good. It's reliable. If it doesn't work, you throw it at them. You know, like, <laughs> you can hit them with it. I think that's what he says. And like, uh, yeah, he's just, and then, yeah, then he comes in, he's like, yeah, he sees his face, just shoots the guy, chops his arm off, and just like leave. Yeah. It's so good. Then we get back to uh, John and Arrow, Bricktop's thugs, along with Bricktop, paying a visit to Turkish. They actually steal his money from his safe as he's trying to like get it and get the heck out of there. And uh, they make him basically try to get Mickey to fight again. And this time, he better throw the fight in a fourth. <laughs> I just, so Turkish goes and sees Mickey, and he's out hair coursing. And for those of you who don't know what hair coursing is, uh, it's apparently sicking uh, a couple dogs on a rabbit. And it's, it ends up actually uh, kind of transforming into this cool chase scene where you got... John and Errol kind of chasing Tyrone, paralleled with interspersed cutscenes of two dogs chasing down a rabbit. So it was, it was just really cool. And it goes I, back to what I was saying, like the symbolism of the yeah. dogs the and dogs. stuff. Yeah, and we got to go back. We got to talk about the scene where he, Bricktop is with Turkish in his office because mm. that is the most insane little speech. That's the scene oh, that everyone remembers. That is so I, bad. I have, I have, um, I wrote down here. Bricktop explains what to do to a body. Wow. 
I remember the first time watching this and becoming very afraid of Bricktop, and then I said, my favorite line of Bricktop's is, chopped up body looks like a curry to a piss head. <laughs> <laughs> he's just really? so scary. Like, and he talks yeah. about how he's like, nemesis, horrible company, and like, he just yeah. is so Oh yeah, scary. but that wasn't when he was talking to Turkish. That was when he was, was talking to Paul and Vincent later. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. So we'll, we'll come to that, because yeah, there's, there's a lot to <laughs> unpack with that one for sure. Um, Speaking of Saul and Vinny, we, we get a fun scene. It's right here, actually. Yeah, yeah that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah like go this, notes. Woo! Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Saul and Vinny trying to get rid of the body. And yeah, Bricktop shows up. And yeah, he just, the monologue about disposing of the bodies by feeding them to pigs and stuff. I, man. Yeah, the two, 200 <sighs> pounds in eight minutes. Hence the expression, as greedy as a pig. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's like doing math and shit and like. Um, it actually sent me on a bit of a stoner tangent. I had to pause the movie and look up this guy's name. But do you guys remember the Canadian pig farmer serial killer that there oh, was? Yeah. Picton, oh yeah, Picton, uh, yeah, Robert Picton. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he got busted like a few years ago, but he had had like like he only got charged for six. But I guess he had actually killed probably like twenty nine women people. or something. Yeah, and it was fed like pigs. I think it was forty nine actually. Forty nine. Sorry, one his, sorry. Uh, one of his quotes was, "He's like, oh, I'm just." I'm just upset that I got nailed, like I got busted before I could hit 50. Uh, yeah. Anyways, oh my goodness. That was, that was my little stoner tangent because Bricktop was talking about pigs, and I was like, hey, I remember a, a guy Crazy who... Crazy pig farmer, yeah. I love how that scene ends, by the way, because like he's the, the Vince and those guys are like, Vince is like, who who are you? And then he does the nemesis, or cunt me, and then he shows yeah. them the room with like Tyrone in the yeah. body bag, and it's all, yeah. it, it just shows the different level of criminal that yeah. Bricktop is to them. You guys don't even know what's happening, and this guy's built like a Dexter, like fucking yeah. Queen death room. room. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. Death room well, they're death. trying to they're trying to figure out how they're going to dispose of Frankie's body, and. <laughs> Like their homeboy is like literally in a kill room in the same building without yeah. them knowing. It's like when you're like, yeah, when you like have like you're like growing up like a plant in like some tin foil, and then like Buddy walks into his like his like grow tent and just like, oh yeah. yeah, oh shit, yeah, I got her like, yeah, I'm growing, and then the buddy's like, oh me too, shows you a picture, and you're just like, oh shit, no, you're yeah, really I, I probably won't show you my stuff. Um, <laughs> But yeah, then we get introduced to Bullet Tooth. Tony, who's a great character. I had him written down as Juggernaut here because I remember him from the, yes. the crappier X-Men movies. Well, um, he's amazing in Deadpool. I forgot yes. all about that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, his his line in that movie was, I'm the Juggernaut, bitch. Um, but yeah, we get introduced to Juggernaut, and uh, he got, his backstory is amazing. He got shot six times and just yeah. like, just walked it off. He's just yeah. this savage fixer type and of course that's the guy that avi hires because everyone's got their crew everyone's got their backup and their little teams and you know it's all going to come to a head at some point um but yeah bullet two tony is avi's guy yeah. and then we get uh, like sorry, sorry. a quick aside about bullet, bullet two tony and, yeah. well, and the actor that plays him vinnie jones this mm -hmm. is his second movie his first movie was Lockstock. so like mm. he, he, the fact that he like he is definitely one of the standouts in this movie like definitely easily like i think you probably if you go back and think about this film you think brad pitt uh vinnie jones like at yeah. least that's the way i i look well, at it jason Statham, brad pitt and vinnie jones are my three that like yeah, instantly but, come to mind yeah this guy, this guy was a was a soccer player or, or a footballer uh connor in australia um mm -hmm. but uh it, he actually is 
kind of a badass in real life. And apparently there were uh, parts of this film where he had, they had to use a body double for him because he was in jail for beating the shit out of people in real life. So that <laughs> is an amazing cool. story. That's juggernaut. <laughs> well, and the thing I love about this character is the way they kind of introduce him in the film. Like they show him with, uh, I forget the guy's name, Muggle or Mugs or whatever, where he mullet. like... Mullet. No, Mullet. That Mullet, mullet. is his name. I was going to talk about the... Tra- that is, yeah, that scene is so good with the and, window. I he's love got he's his, like... like he he's got his like, head like in the window and he's like rolled up the window. <laughs> I love and that he's like... And he's like, you use it. He's like, you use a dog shit for toothpaste? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, Madonna, I love this track. And it's like, Madonna comes on. And yeah. it's just like, he's like just torturing this dude. It's so, it's just like an iconic scene. I think that scene is one of those ones that really makes this movie because it's so, mm-hmm. it's so violent, but it's also really hilarious. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and we've already seen a bunch of violence by this point. So we're like, <laughs> we're already, we already think we're ready for the yeah. level of violence that Bullet Tooth Tony is about to bring us. Nope. But we're not like, he's, he's just such a, a badass. And so anyways, he ends up finding out about Saul and Vinny, and he's going to pay them a visit with Abby to see what's up with this diamond. Um, uh, but before we can do that, we got Bricktop smashing up Turkish's arcade and uh, burning up Mickey's mom in her caravan. Yes. And, and I just have a mistake. Big I mistake. Have, uh-oh. And <laughs> that then, scene is so emotional. And Brad Pitt is there holding him back. They're fighting. Yeah. But the thing is, is that in that scene, Brad Pitt's wearing a stylish pair of what would be tidy whities but they got uh, they got a funky pad on them. But let's just say our boy Brad Pitt is filling those things up. So it's not enough <laughs> that he's one of the most handsome men on the planet. Yeah. Uh, an incredibly talented individual at seemingly anything he attempts, but your boy's packing heat too. He's, like, he's got a he's got a hammer. Well in, sure. He's, he's <laughs> well endowed. Hammer, that's for sure. He's definitely well endowed. And and I just like what I noticed about this scene because this just is a microcosm of where our brains are different. Is uh, <laughs> I have I have teary eyed revenge. Brad Pitt is actually kind of freaking scary. To be oh, honest, no, I, got, I got a big old hammer, Brad Pitt. I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at angry and I'm looking at angry Brad Pitt just staring there, like staring at his mom's burning caravan, just like I'm gonna kill this guy. Um, my but... my note here is song is really good right here, but it has that like like that Euro burning indie. Yeah. It, like <laughs> oh the whole soundtrack in this movie is good like when they it's play, so good. what do they do they do golden brown by uh was that the the stranglers yeah that's a and great then, song that's uh, earlier down by the specials like those songs yeah. are back to back like it literally goes from one to another you're like wow this soundtrack is awesome yeah um so then we got boris trying to sell the diamond at doug the head's place um his daughter calls him because he's not actually there. He's with Bullet Two, Tony and Abby. And so this is where the conspiracy in my little stone brain comes up. And it never really like fully goes into it or explains it. But I'm just like, I see his little smirks and his little things. And I'm like, man, I think Doug is the real mastermind here. Like, I, I think he's the one who's who's going to come out clean of everything and with the diamond by the end of this. And uh, so... Anyways, we get a we get everything kind of leading to a culmination where all the different parties are in different cars. And uh, I was it Boris that got hit by one of them because he had like well, a bag yeah, over yeah. his head. Because Saul yeah. and Vince, Saul and Vince and Tyrone run him over because Avi and Tony crash. 
Right. Uh, while they're playing, they see Boris, basically. It's yeah. a very complicated yes. turn of events. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's one of the amazing things about this movie and about Guy, Guy Ritchie's style is mm. it's so tight and well done that there's all these different stories happening at once and when they converge on each other, first off, you know what's happening the entire time. But then when they converge on each other, you're like, oh, yeah. Like, it's just like, that is the that is the logical conclusion to this well, fucking and crazy mess. You know? What I love is the initial coming together of it all is literally a car wreck. Yes. Like, it's it's very emblematic, and, and I, I was just a big fan of that. Yeah, and Boris, of course, does not die. No, but one well, we'll, we'll, through with a impaled on a sword. Yeah, <laughs> well, we'll we'll get to some more Boris here because right right after this is that big showdown in the hallway, which is really cool. And yeah, it's just hilarious. Boris won't die. He gets shot. He gets shot. He gets shot. Bullet tooth Tony just keeps shooting him. Um, well, we get we get one of the best bullet tooth Tony scenes before this is that. Avi is in the bathroom, and so Saul and Vincent Tyrone, um, they <laughs> yes. try to hold up Tony, and yeah. Tony uh, realizes that they have replica guns, and I, yeah. I call this speech Tony uh, two types of balls speech, where he talks yeah. about there's big brave balls and two yeah. little mincy blank, I'm not going to say it, <laughs> blank balls. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a very bad slur. Um, yeah. And he calls them out for having replicas, and it's the iconic scene where he says, I have Desert Eagle 0.50 written on the side of mine. And he's like, that should precipitate your little tiny mincy balls shrinking. Yeah. Now fuck off. And yeah. they like they like they leave up because Boris <laughs> shows up with Avi in the bathroom, and it turns into this like Mexican standoff almost, where right. they all like shoot each other. And we get the mm-hmm. other Tony classic line where he tells you to pull up your socks, Avi, and he yeah. blows them all away with this huge pistol. Yeah. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys watched any of the behind-the-scenes stuff, but uh, uh, Vinny Jones, Bullet Tooth Tony, he screwed that lineup so many times. Like he's like, "Tie up your shoelaces, tie up your shoelaces." <laughs> All these deleted scenes of him fucking that lineup. It's great. That's awesome. Um, but again, like, yeah, like actually, I gotta walk back my statement about uh, about uh, Bricktop being the the Brian May uh, of the word "fuck off," and I just have to say it's Guy Ritchie in general because, like, <laughs> yeah. like, the word "fuck off" is used. Like like a fine Japanese chef knife, you know. Well, like, it, yeah. It's the best tofu. time. The best yeah. time they the best time they swear is when Boris is not dead yet, so he's still there, and Tony has to come to finish him. And like <laughs> Boris, like he like grunts some unintelligible Russian. He gets shot three times with the Desert Eagle, and then he's like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> and that's the best "fuck you" in a movie. Ever yeah. and he gets shot two more times. He says something else, like something else in Russia. Like, and he gets shot again. And they, like f- Tony Tyrone gets to live just because Boris was such Tony a is out of bullets. That told, <laughs> Tony is out of bullets to kill him, or he would have been dead there. Second, like how often yeah. is Tyrone lucky in this movie? He's, like, he's yeah. Houdini, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then Sol and Vinny escape, or so they think. But Tony finds them too, and uh, that ain't good. And we get Turkish and Tommy talking about the fight the next day. Uh, Mickey's at a wake. So Turkish is worried about him even making it to the fourth round, let alone uh, winning the fourth round. By the way, there's still a bunch of movie left. Like, just because all that shit went down, there's still lots of movie well, left. Well, we get the best Turkish line there. He's like, you show me how to control a wild fucking gypsy, and I'll show you how to control an unhitch pig-feeted gangsta. He's like, folks, I'm out for a walk. And he just, like, <laughs> walks away pissed off. Like, it's so, like, true. It's like... Yeah. They're in such a bad spot. Like, there's nothing they can do about right. Mickey's condition. And, like, if they don't do this fight, Bricktop's going to kill them, basically. Yeah. 
Well, and and on the other side of the coin, we have we have Abby and Tony who finally get catch up with Saul and Vinny, get the diamond from them because those guys are incompetent, and the dog eats it. And yeah. what I love about this is Abby starts shooting wildly at the dog, and it turns out he shot the shit out of Tony, a guy who survived six bullet wounds and like is just this monster badass for the last like 25, 30 minutes of the movie and gets killed by some stray bullets that were intended for a dog. <laughs> so in that scene uh, where Saul's getting attacked by the dog, I yeah. guess that dog, I, I can't remember the actor's name, but either way, that dog like actually had it out for him like throughout the course <laughs> of that film. And like that, it was either biting or humping him. And uh, in that particular scene, when he's got him by the arm, the yeah. dog almost bit his dick off. And like, I guess like, uh, hit this is two comments about dicks, Phil, for you. I think you're at your limit. You're at your limit. You get one more. You get one more, Phil. All right, I'm going to save it up. But it's a dick-heavy movie, or at least that's how I saw it. All right, guys? I can interpret art as dickish as I like. But (laughs) no, yeah, that was an actual thing that happened, though. And like, his cell phone saved his dick from that dog. Great nice. fact, Phil. Yeah. I love the scene. The, the scene that I love the most about this whole part was there. There's this like when Avi first comes to England, it's all done like, and he like you yeah. know goes on the plane, and it's all these yeah. quick shots. And then my part is like when he flies back to New York after murdering Tony and like dealing with all this bullshit in England. They're like, yeah. you got anything to declare? And he's like, yeah, don't go to England. It's like, and he just like yeah. leaves again. I, I love that scene. It's such a good like throwback. Yeah. To, well, and it's awesome that like a tiny snippet of that is saved, but we'll get to that. Um, so uh, Turkish and Tommy go and they wake Mickey's drunk ass up to get him ready for the fight. Uh, Bricktop threatens to kill all of the Pikeys if he doesn't go down in the fourth. And uh, it ends up being a, a better scrap than I thought. I thought he'd one punch him again, but he actually, uh, it looks like he's going to do his job there. Um, he's, you know, getting beat up. He gets to the fourth round. He gets knocked down. You think, okay. And, like, that fight scene, man. Is amazing. It's I love so the slow-mo. Like, that that it's uppercut so where he just flies through the air in slow motion and then crashes down. Like, it's just so good. Do you remember that song, Stick Em Up by Korashi, where the music video was, like, based around... Like, it was just this, like, this scene, them trying to do this scene. Terrible song. But uh, that I just... I always associate that part with that shitty song. But... Well, and... And what I love here too is in in the the Guy Ritchie like layered storytelling is you think that Mickey might be going down in the fourth because he's laying there and all of a sudden twist he's up to his feet and one punches the guy and knocks him out and you're like okay that's a twist but that was just like a little tiny microcosm of the bigger twist that's going on in the movie at that time where. Mickey had a whole plan to wipe out all of Bricktop's entire group, take all the money, and leave them with nothing. So they yeah, they had to jump. Well, the thing with that fight is like it's. I think it's like it just kind of comes down to that he's just hella hungover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's like and like when he gets when he gets that big shot that lifts him off the ground and you know it, uh, he lands in the water and then wakes up and like that's such that's such a, a smart and effective way. Uh, like an evocative say, way to portray that because you yeah. know like if you've ever been punch drunk like it's it's a strange feeling and when you mm-hmm. snap out of it or, you know i've never one punched somebody like that but you know it's it's a, it's just a really cool way to convey that i was just gonna say what i love about that scene is like shout out to guy Ritchie again like just the way that he shot this that fight scene mm-hmm. a lot of times you know when you're in like a movie where there's like a boxing match or some sort of 
sporting event that like is like the big climax sometimes to me it can be so boring because it's like too drawn out focusing on like people talking or whatever this movie doesn't do that and like going back to what phil was saying about guy Ritchie, he does such a great job of uh you know shooting scenes like a great example would be um you know the movie that he did the man from uncle there's a scene where like they break open this safe and it's done like in a really cool way where it like goes inside this safe and like shows all his like mechanisms it's very guy Ritchie because it's such all these quick cuts and i've never this, actually seen that i'll have to check it out it's a good movie and i love guy Ritchie because in this this fight scene he does that still like all these quick cuts cut in with like the slow-mo and then the going in the water and it really builds up to the 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 knockout moment where right. you know you suddenly get the Turkish narration where Turkish thinks he's gonna die and I have this this note written down about what going throwing back to what Brett was saying is like he's like once the campsite is wiped out it's us and he's like you freeze and you pull a stupid face he's like the plague he didn't <laughs> why he had plans to take it over for every action there is a reaction. And a pikey reaction is quite a fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Terrell? I just thought of it. It's great because uh, there is that, yeah, you freeze and make a stupid face. And that reminds me of earlier in the podcast when your video froze and you had a stupid like, face. That was great. <laughs> it was just like that. <laughs> it was so, appropriate. <laughs> so, yeah, it turns out the the Jippos had a plan all along to get the jump on Bricktop and basically clean them out. Um, and so when... Tommy and Turkish get to their camp. They're gone. They're long gone, but the cops are there. So uh, TNT, they cover by saying they're taking the dog for a walk, which does... Do they know that the diamond's in the dog? No. no, they, they, know, no they take him to the vet after. Right, right. Okay. Um, I I knew, so I, I was just... I have it in my notes. Did they know? Um, but yeah, they, they cover by saying they're taking the dog for a walk. And then um, Saul and Vinny get arrested with a body in their car because they're bumbling, fumbling idiots. Um, and then, yeah, we have uh, Turkish and Tommy with the dog. They, they take it to the vet. They get the diamond. And then Doug the Head, the, the criminal mastermind of all of it, uh, one of the last lines in the movie says he might be interested in buying it. That's like, in fact, that might be the last line, like dialogue of the movie. But then there's a quick cut to Avi just getting drunk in his office. But it's so <laughs> fast. You, you don't, like... He's, and it's yeah. him going back to back to England to get the diamond that he started this whole well, shenanigans with. And one of the behind the scenes things I watched is show Guy Ritchie like explaining that Avi traveling sequence because they yeah. do it uh, a few times in the movie, right? Three, like, three times, three, three times, times in the movie. And uh, and he's just like he's like he's mimicking it. He's like it's, I just want it to be like boom, and like it's like watching him describe it and like they like you can tell they captured exactly what he was they brought his vision to life yeah like it's just like like you know as a as musicians you know you get those rare times when it's like holy shit that is exactly how it was in my head and like that's you can just see that in the film for sure and then we get a wrap on on quite a spectacular action film um i'll just go first um i enjoyed the movie a lot uh guy Ritchie's an excellent director and the cast was great story was great dialogue was great i have not really any bad things to say other than you might get a little bit of a motion sickness or vertigo with the speed of the cuts but um i loved it and uh so i'm gonna give it like an eight and a half seems yeah i think it's worthy um yeah i uh i i cannot say enough good things about this movie like 
I don't know if I can really say anything. I don't know if I can give any like like criticism of like negative criticism of this movie. Like it's just right. it's done so well. It's so tight and concise. And like, how long is this movie? What? It's like an hour and forty some minutes. Yeah. And the guy tells like six different plots and nails that down to like just over ninety minutes. Which, in my opinion, that's hey. the sweet spot of film length. Twenty twenty one filmmakers take notice. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but uh, yeah, it's just absolutely an incredible film. The casting, like you said, Brett. And it's just like, it's like, I, like, I believe that these characters are who they are, you know? Like, it's like, if, if I see them in anything else, I'm like, oh, like, that's Bullet Tooth Tony playing Juggernaut, you know? Like, yeah. so uh, I'm going to give it a solid, like, 9 out of 10. It's just, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I, I, I have never not enjoyed watching this film. Yeah. I think it takes the template of lock, stock, and two smoking barrels, and it elevates it. I think with movies like this where you have an ensemble cast, um, it can be either really good or really bad, and you don't feel like you get like character development and you don't get a great story because of that. That's the complete opposite of this movie, and it's done in like this like machine gun way. Like it's a very impressive movie. I think like if you're like a a person that wants to make films one day and you want to make like an action movie that's like really gripping, but also has like this black comedy level to it. I mean, this is a really inspirational movie for filmmakers. And like you were saying, I think more movies should be this competent at making something so entertaining and fun mm-hmm. to watch. And I think that's a really tough uh, thing to, to follow up with, like a movie like Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, which I keep talking about. Um, I think what's f- interesting about this movie is at the time, I don't think it was like really well reviewed and a lot of people didn't really love it. I think though it's become like a cult classic because it relates to other movies like we've seen like Tarantino and it has the heist uh, kind of edge to it. Uh, and it's just really, really well written. It mixes in like bare knuckle boxing and these like silly criminals and how it all works together. So yeah, I'm going to give it a solid 9.1 out of 10. I definitely could watch it again and uh, I wa- I'm looking forward to watching it again. Yeah, like it's one of those movies that's like I definitely will watch it again, and like, like I like not even like if I come in the room and it's on, like I will be putting this movie on again. It's there was supposed to be a, a sequel. I I really feel like yeah. I could go for two more of these movies. Like yeah, I want to yeah. know what is Mickey up to? Is he still? Is he doing cool stuff? What is Turkish up to? You know. In uh, the guy Richie, the guy Richie interview, he's like, I don't feel like I need to do it anymore because Mickey is Tyson Fury. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah, but like Guy Ritchie did like a couple movies after this that were really, really great too, and they uh, were kind of in the same Arthur? vein. Pardon no, me. That movie sucked ass. The King, King Ar- Ar- he said King Arthur. Oh, <laughs> that's like the uh, worst Guy Ritchie film. Disney, Disney's Aladdin, live action. <laughs> Yeah, he did oh, that. Haven't even yeah. seen that. That sounds awful. Haven't seen that. Oh, Guy Ritchie. I watched it. It was okay. Um, but uh, The Gentleman is actually really good. Oh, that is a good movie. movie. That was one Great of my movie. favorite movies. of. Uh, that was a, came out in 2020, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would say that was probably one of the best movies of 2020. Yeah, it was, it was definitely uh, high on my list. So, yeah, that'll about do it for this episode, I guess. Um, I don't know if you guys have any uh, parting thoughts you want to shower upon our devoted listener base. Uh, it- yeah, I just uh, I I actually had a lot of fun doing this episode. Uh, not that I don't have fun on all of them, but this one just felt especially good to me. So I hope it came across well. And uh, 
You know, if uh, if I have to do the obligatory YouTube thing, like, hey guys, like and subscribe, ring that notification bell. <laughs> no, but what I really want to say is Terrell is the jerk of the week for saying how many dick references I can make. <laughs> and don't put a limit on my dick references, okay? I live for the shit. I I just want to like we. I want to n- maybe not like ostracize members of the pod as jerks of the week, but what I will say <laughs> is Terrell's internet gets the jerk of the week <laughs> for that freeze frame. <laughs> Hello, Bell. Uh, can I give you even more money than any other co- in the world for really bad internet? No? Shucks. <laughs> That's what I. Sorry about my internet. I will pay more to Bell. Shout out, Bell, for uh, taking a gigabyte of internet and somehow making it not work for the pod. We need Thanks. Sponsors. <laughs> yeah, we need sponsors. We have Bell's internet. Of views and listens. Next week. Uh, we're going to be covering um, some some more horror. We haven't done horror since Event Horizon, so this is going to be fun. Um, our our movie is George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. Oh, I love this movie! And yes, this is going to be. I sick. own that on Blu-ray. I'm stoked. I just have to find it. So that's oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And our song is uh, Simon and Garfunkel's "The Sound of Silence." So that's going to go good with too. that movie. You I guys, think so too. I think so too. At yeah. first, you guys didn't want to do that song. I remember we had like a back and forth about it and you know what you're gonna listen to it try to find a version where you can hear simon sing it and then garfunkel sing it by themselves it'll blow your mind blow your mind guys i have uh their best of which has that on there on vinyl kicking around somewhere i expect you to listen to it on vinyl you better if (laughs) if i can find it no guarantees yeah so uh that will be next week so we'll hope you'll tune in and uh with that said, there's not a whole lot more to say. Uh, follow us on our socials once again, uh, at Disowners POV on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us on our YouTube channel. We have a Spotify playlist with all the songs that we've reviewed, and that's constantly updated. Uh, if you would like to make any suggestions, get at our socials, suggest some movies, suggest some songs. We're happy to go through them. As you can see, we're not limited to only good stuff. Like, we've reviewed a lot of shit on this pod. We'll do literally anything for a We'll do any song. Yeah. We may not like it. And if it's your favorite song, we may slam it, so don't come crying. <laughs> but but it, it'll never be an ad hominem attack. It'll just be dumping on the song. So please don't be shy. Get at us. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say. So uh, for Terrell and Phil, I'm Brett, and this was the Stoner's Point of View. We'll Terrell see you next week. Good night, everybody. <laughs>